and welcome to the Sports Unite podcast. Uh, we are back after uh, moving our studios around just a little bit. Uh, we are growing the podcast. We are getting new guests on as we speak. Uh, more episodes are being recorded, but we could not end the year without recording uh, about the most wonderful time of the year. I know it sounds like Christmas, uh, but something else happens around Christmas time, and that is the World Junior Championships, uh, something that makes it really drive home that it's the holiday season, uh, because without it, it just, what are you going to do when you're off for that week-ish in between Christmas and New Year's? Just sit at home, play with the Christmas presents? That sounds a little boring. We are here to talk about the World Junior Championships, and we have some lovely guests. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, Charles, Kenzie, and Cole. Good to see you, buddy. Hello, everybody. Hello. So the World Juniors, I mean, they happened last year, but it was the bubble, and uh, just like everything else, it kind of helped, but it wasn't the same. So we are back to... Uh, as of right now, everything is hunky-dory. And um, so let's start it off. What makes this tournament so special for you guys? Honestly, for me, I absolutely love the tournament. Uh, there's so much to it, from heartbreaks to pure masterpieces that teams and players kind of create. Um it's a tournament where you can see some young players, and when I mean young, some as old as 16 start their career for some countries, become heroes, uh, and you get to see some that maybe didn't do quite so well when they first started out uh, become and get that second chance and become a huge, huge part of their country going forward. That could create a huge dynasty going forward every year. Yeah, uh, I mean, I might be dating myself a little bit, but I, I, I've been watching the World Juniors since the first drive for five back in the 90s, uh, when it was still a round-robin format just to determine the gold medal game. They didn't even have the playoffs, the format that the, they have now. That, that didn't come in until the late 90s. But it's just, it, it's that thing, you sit back, you watch hockey, but it, it you don't care about, you know, booing one player, cheering another. It's a national pride. And, you know, in this country, we are so spoiled year after year having such great hockey players. Uh, it makes it very easy to get up for the games. Very, it doesn't matter if it was 4 o'clock in the morning in Russia or 10 o'clock at night out on the West Coast, whatever it was. Um, and just the, the, the stories that you tell the, and the stories that are told that you that we, we'll, we all tell each other where we were when the games happened. We'll tell our kids, uh, for those of us who are parents, uh, you, you know, we, we tell our kids, this is like, this is where we were when this big moment happened. Like, I'll, I'll tell my kids where I was when Jordan Arbley scored the goal with five and a half seconds left at the 09 tournament when it was here in Ottawa. Uh, you know, I'm still getting goosebumps on my arms right now just thinking about it. So it, it, it's just that you mentioned it was a special time of year. It, I think it almost trumps Christmas for how special it can be. For me, it's um, seeing all the young talent and watching kind of how their draft stock will go. This tournament, I find, is a huge, huge indicator of draft stock and where guys will fall. 
um, next summer, guys will rise up and kind of take it by the reins and become a first round pick for maybe being a projected third. And then seeing guys do the opposite and fall, as in the case of Atu Ratu last year, who was ranked like number one preseason and then plummeted to like 40 something <laughs> picked by the <laughs> Islanders in round two. Um, so watching, watching those kids kind of come up and down for me is a big thing. Right. That's the, the best part of this tournament is, I mean, you get the, the opposite side where people get upset and want to do things to, to kids essentially, or uh, people who are just becoming young adults, uh, teenagers, uh, but you get to see their transition. They become household names, whether, I mean, obviously they become much more household names in Canada because we are located in Canada, but you come to discover some hidden gems. A lot of the European teams, uh, you know, you don't really get to see, or if they're not playing in junior or they're playing junior on the other side of Canada, you won't necessarily get to see them or hear of them play unless you really follow uh, every single team. So it really allows you to see who the new stars can be. Uh, it makes names for people. It helps their draft stock. Uh, it opens their eyes to NHL scouts. Uh, it does so much, uh, but at the same token, it can really be a hindrance. You think someone's an all-star and then they disappear after making the team and they're no longer a first round draft pick, but that is the beauty of hockey of sports. So let's get into it. If you forgot what happened last year, that's okay. Uh, everyone doesn't realize that it's 2022 in uh, roughly 17 days. So if you think it's just still 2019, Welcome back to reality. Uh, <laughs> the, the United States uh, won the gold medal last year with a 2-0 win over Canada. And Finland beat Russia 4-1 for the bronze. Uh, and of course, everyone's favorite muse right now, Trevor Zegras, was the star of the tournament. Uh, if that name sounds a little familiar for you, uh, for you now, uh, he might have created a new version of a play that is on all the highlight reels, getting old coaches mad because it makes something, I don't know, old man talking, get off my long. That's what I heard. Tortorella, um, <laughs> Jesus. Not good for the game. Play. <laughs> yes, all the kids are going to try it now, and it's going to make coaches upset in practice because all they want to do is try that. I get that part. I, I'm a coach. I, I get when kids see something, they just want to spend all practice doing that, but that doesn't make it bad for the game. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> um, now, again, this year, we have a new set of uh, players, some returning. Sometimes you only get one crack at this tournament, uh, where others, you can get potentially three cracks at it uh, if you're that good. So, uh, we will have new talent, uh, no new countries compared to last year. There was no relegation because of everything going on. 
Uh, I know how fun it is when a new country comes up like Kazakhstan. You're like, how many goals are they going to score? And then you feel bad for them. But it's always good to, to learn a new country geographically, uh, country, you know, new flag for some kids. It's a learning opportunity. Um, and it is back again in Edmonton and Red Deer with fans. Now, uh, I'm not going to say anything, but uh, we are fortunate enough to have two correspondents who will be on the ground in Edmonton, and we will get their reactions, not to make everyone else jealous, uh, but that just, that just shows how legitimate this podcast has gotten now. You know, we're, uh, we're, we're totally, uh, oh yeah, I didn't tell you this. We can't pay you physically or we can pay you emotionally <laughs> to be there, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, we, we cannot pay for your travel. You cannot submit that, uh, or or for taxes for that matter. So, uh, but Ooh, uh, break. yeah, maybe once uh, if we get a Patreon going, we can start to do that. But uh, as of right now, out of the goodness of their hearts, they will be uh, bringing what they experienced uh, in a later episode, of course, in January, when the tournament finishes. Boxing Day is when it starts. Now, for those listening around the world and in America, well, some countries will know what Boxing Day is, but Boxing Day is the equivalent of American Black Friday, uh, but it's actually holiday. It's a stat pay. People get paid for it here, unlike in America. Uh, and we get rewarded with some junior hockey. The opening day, let's bring up the schedule. Uh, because a big game always happens, uh, for Canada anyways, on the 26th. They play the Czech Republic. Uh, is that a big game? Is Czech Republic up to snuff? I have no idea what... Uh, what the Czech Republic is up to these days with their juniors. Unfortunately for the Czechs, uh, they're, they're, well, you know, what, what we call here in, in Canada, uh, the grassroots program, their, their grassroots program there, um, kind of taking a hit, a few hits the last few years. They, they haven't been getting a lot of good funding from the government. Um, and fewer and fewer of their players are being taken in the CHL import draft. So fewer their guys are get, fewer and fewer players are getting big game exposure here. Um, it it's going to be a rough tournament for them. They are not they, they are going to be in an uphill battle just to have a decent spot in the quarterfinals. Yeah, so they I, face a tough division. Yeah. That's the thing I feel like because we're going off of the format from last year as well with the groups for Team Canada in their groups compared to uh, the U.S. where they have Russia, uh, Sweden as well, where some of those have been a lot tougher opponents over the years. But Well, let's get into it. So Group A, which is located in Edmonton, has Canada, Finland, Germany, Czech Republic, and Austria. Group B, which is located in Red Deer, has the U.S., Russia, Sweden, Slovakia, and Switzerland. Um, 
Do you think Group A has the advantage on the, the lighter schedule uh, with three Absolutely. powerhouses being in Group B? Absolutely. Absolutely. No question about that. Yep. Whenever Canada plays Finland, I'm not sure if that's the New Year's Eve game or not, but that's going to determine who takes first place in Group A. And it, it's it, it's kind of like a, the, the Women's World Hockey Championships. You know it's going to be Canada, Russia, kiss or Canada, U.S., and then the finals. We know it's going to be Canada, Finland, one, two. My question is which order? Yeah. Yeah. Finland's really been up and coming the last few years, too, with their junior program. Hmm. Um, it shows – I mean, look at last year, they took home the bronze over Russia. So, I mean, um, anything possible, they're going to put on a good show. They always do. Uh, but you're right, Charles, and it will definitely come down to that game for 1-2 in Group A. Yeah, and I yeah. think they, they have the, the schedule. Oh, go ahead. No, I, was a, I agree. Um yeah, Group A, it's those two. Looking at the other three, they're not as strong. And yeah, it'll be that game for one, two. And uh, just re reminding people of the format, like Charles uh, alluded to earlier, way, way back in the day, they had no playoffs. It was just best record wins gold, which sounds so archaic when we say it nowadays. Um, because, of course, you know, more games equals more money and more revenue for everyone. And then it makes it more exciting. But uh, out of the two groups, uh, four out of the five advance on to the uh, quarterfinals and the playoff round. Do we I know it's always hard to, to pick. I mean, it's, four out of five, you got a good shot at picking the, the correct advancers. But. Do we have an inkling on who is not going to make it and who's going to have to play in the relegation game uh, to see who gets moved down for each group? Uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious in Group A, Austria, they're behind the eight ball. Germany and the Czechs, they'll make it to the quarters just because they'll both beat up on Austria. Austria is probably not going to win a single game. They will be winless. Uh, feel bad for them a little bit, obviously. It's kind of like... Just, like uh, the government whipping mule. Uh, I kind of feel bad for them, but they don't stand much of a chance. The German program has been getting stronger year after year, especially the last four or five years. They've really tried to find an identity for like, how they want to constantly play, and they've been sticking to it, and it's led to a couple of you know, uh, round-robin upsets, and they've made a good showing of themselves over the last two years. Uh, Group B, that's the one, and I think we can all agree there, that's the one where you're not quite sure it will be the Swiss or the Slovaks who get knocked out there. Yeah, that one's going to be a tough one. I mean, look at that group. It's stacked with people. And you're right, Charles. You really don't know, is it going to be the Slovaks? Because you don't. they haven't been quite as strong the last few years coming up. But it, looking at it, I mean, USA, Russia, Sweden, easily going to be advancing. It can almost say guarantee. Um, I think it'll come down to those two in Group B. Um, yeah, Group A for me, Austria. Obviously, for reasons that have already been said, they're not very strong. Um, 
Germany getting better. The Czechs will find their way in just based on the skill they do have. Group B, um, I'm just going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say the Swiss get relegated due to the fact that the Slovaks have two very young, talented forwards, Slavkovsky and Daborski. Um, those two kids, I've seen a little bit of tape, not much. They seem like they will be the real deal and they are the size of a house. So I can see those two just kind of plowing their way to the net and doing what they want. Whereas the Swiss, I got no names for you, but they are going to be defensive and annoying as they usually are. So I can see <laughs> the Swiss and the Austrians being relegated. Now there's always the, the good thing about this tournament as many other world tournaments is uh, upsets. There's always one upset, like, um, you know, a Belarus, Sweden, or, you know, before Germany had, you know, taken its place as in within the top eight, Germany would always find a way to beat someone that you're like, really, how'd you do that? Do we see an upset happening, like an Austria maybe beating Czech Republic or Germany or, you know, Switzerland really maybe beating Russia or giving them a hard time where it doesn't, it's not, there are four and then the last place team has zero points where it's like, oh, like if a tie happens, like on that last New Year's Eve uh, day on December 31st, where the last games are happening, do we see a, a scenario where it's like, oh, it's not so clear cut. Maybe, maybe some slight math has to happen for this team to make it. Do we see that happening? Especially with some teams having players who have played a lot more than other uh, potential players around the world. I'll give, uh, I'll give Germany props that they might be able to upset the Finns in the, on round robin play. Uh, they, they seem to have given the Finns a, uh, some issues over the last couple of years. I can see that happening. Yeah, I think I agree. Like my vote would be probably Germany. I feel like they've kind of been kind of like the one people don't see really coming the last few years. And now, I mean, last year they really showed themselves. So you never know. I could see it. Them really shocking Finland. And then even, even Slovakia giving Sweden or Russia that hard time because we really haven't seen um, a lot of the European side, like you said earlier, Justin. So you never know. It's always hard to say whether there will be an upset, but there seems to be one every year. Um with me kind of trashing on Austria and Switzerland saying they are the relegation. I can see one of them winning a game, whether that's Austria or Switzerland remains to be seen, but I could see Switzerland definitely giving everybody a hard time because they always do. You know what, Kenzie, I'll, I'll take that with, with Switzerland. I'm, I, I could see the Swiss uh, giving the Russians all they can handle. Yeah. 
they always seem to they're they're always there they always play a defensive style and they they hang around <laughs> you can never count them out they always scare me when Canada's in the same group with them it's they're gonna give us a tough run and uh, it's going to be a one nothing win. So, <laughs> well, if this if this was Canada of, of the lean years when we weren't winning, sure. But uh, uh, these days with Canada's roster, I would say it would be a four one win over the place. Are there any games besides the? We'll we'll cancel out the the New Year's Eve game, so the Russia, United States, Canada, Finland, because uh, obviously those are two marquee matchups that will probably determine uh, what happens and who plays where in the quarterfinals. But are there other games that you're looking at, you're going, oh, that's... I'm, I'm going to be glued to the TV set for that one, or, uh, you know, I really, really can't wait to to see what happens from this game. Are there any uh, ones on the schedule that you have uh, circled uh, that you're not going to miss? Yeah, Sweden, Russia. That's a rivalry that's, that's brewing. Uh, every time they play, it's always a little chippy. It's a little nasty. Uh, it doesn't get the same sexy hype as Canada, US, Canada, Sweden, Canada, Russia, Finland, Sweden, you know, those, those either geographical or longstanding rivals. Uh, it doesn't get any of that kind of hype, but if you go back and watch tape, the last four or five times those guys have met in the in the, uh, the medal rounds and even in, in the preliminary rounds, they don't like each other. Those countries don't like each other very much on, when it comes to the hockey world. So they really have been giving it to each other, and there's been some a lot of chippy play. And then you know both teams will use their their all star forwards, so to speak. Uh, the high-powered guns to try and one-up the other team. Uh, that's one I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I agree, Charles. That's one of my that I got circled on my calendar. They're just they're two powerhouse teams that are still they're going to go at it. Yeah, and I agree with you guys. That's a that's a big one. Yeah, uh, some teams are still a mystery because why? Well, why not? <laughs> That's what makes it fun, right? But we do have some teams that have announced who are going. Of course, we have to start with the home team because uh, that's just what we do. Um, looking at Team Canada now, they invited thirty-five. Not all thirty-five made it, uh, whether to COVID protocols or just wasn't feasible. But uh, out of the people who made Team Canada, uh, any surprises, anyone that you're excited to see how well they do? Uh, a lot of Canada, actually most of Canada, is already been drafted. This is a pretty high level, or I guess older group, if you will with some uh, newbies and some, uh, you know, and history again being made. Uh, what, what do you think when you look at Team Canada? Scary. 
I mean, look at the names on there. Shane Wright. You got Owen Power, who freaking played with grown men at the World uh, at the Spangler Cup. World Championships, cool. World Championships, thank you. I got it right the first time, and I was second to guess myself. <laughs> but, like, and he's really young. You got Mason McTavish uh, from the Peter Repeats joining the team this year. Connor Bedard, you say a name, like, it's, it's scary. They're seeing them play together. I'm excited. Gives me chills just thinking about it. Yeah, I, I am right there with you, Cole. When you say it's scary. Um, the, I would say the one surprise that for me was now due, due to a COVID illness, a co- one of the sure locks for, on defense for Canada could not attend the tournament. Uh, so he won't be there. So Canada's going with a lot of left-handed defensemen, and some of them are going to have to play on their offside. Uh, we, we know they're not going to really care about that. They're not going to be making, they're griping and complaining. We're, can't, we're, we're, we're Canadians. Hockey, we don't care. We, we'll play at a position a thousand times. Just we'll put us in the damn game. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how, how they run the, the power play, how they do things with so many left-shot defensemen. They don't have any of that traditional uh, point work where they can one-time pass to each other. Uh, that is going to, you know, small little nuances that are going to be interesting to see. The forwards are pretty much split right down the middle for lefty righty shots. So, uh, but no, like, like, to your point there, uh, making history, Connor Bedard, was he the sixth or seventh Canadian in history to only be a 16 year old at the tournament? You know, he's, he's being mentioned in the same, same breath of air as Wayne Gretzky and Connor McDavid. So, uh, you know, that's just when, when you're that young and that good that they, they bump a 19-year-old kid to take someone three years younger. That says something about his talent level. Uh, Owen Power trying to become the first guy to have uh, – or what, one of the few guys who has World Junior and World Championship gold before ever setting foot in the NHL. Uh, as a Habs fan, looking forward to seeing Caden Gooley, one of the returning defensemen from last year. Uh, Fair-sized guy, 6'2", but he can skate. For Ottawa fans listening in, he can skate like Eric Carlson. Uh, definitely looking forward to seeing that. And, you know, as Montreal's having a pretty bad year, so this is a chance to look to the future. And who knows, maybe, maybe we'll see a future Montreal Canadian in Shane Wright. One can only hope. Um, <laughs> from one Montreal fan to another. Remember that. <laughs> um, yeah, like you guys have said, um, scary. The, um, the scariest thing for me is that big fella in net, Sebastian Kosa, six foot seven goaltender. I was just about to, I never looked <laughs> up, I never looked <laughs> up their, their size and I was just looking and Jesus, six, seven as a goalie yeah. is. That's huge. Ben Bishop height we're talking there, That's, boys. Yeah. So he's going to cover a lot of net. Uh, good luck getting anything past him. Who needs pads when you're that tall? And if you if you look at the look at the season, because there's four, he's one of four Edmonton Oil Kings who got named to the roster along with uh, Gouley and a couple of other guys there, a couple of forwards. Uh, look at the season he's having out there. He's really he's he, it's not like the Edmonton that was scoring guys 10-9 every night. He's really shutting the door and getting the job done there, getting the majority of the starts. So I feel pretty confident if he winds up getting tabbed as the number one guy into the medal round. 
I'm pretty confident with going with him and run the rest of the way. I will say, yeah, Edmund, I'm excited to catch a, an Edmonton Oil King game because uh, there's there's pretty big hype for that team. Um, but I, I will say, having been able to see Connor play once live, uh, he is the real deal. He... If he keeps going at the trajectory, we have we have another Sidney Crosby, Wayne Gretzky, you know, teams that are like, oh, we're not really good right now. We just need that one draft pick. You know, Shane Wright looks to be pretty dang good too. So the next two years of, of drafts, like you're you're if your team's in a bad position and you you know manage to get that first pick, you are really you know, fuck it up. You are setting yourselves up for <laughs> very good future if you can land one of those two young gentlemen because they are they are the real deal, and it is going to be a pleasure to see them play together. Just just imagine the lineup combinations you can have. Just looking at, you know, you have Cole Perfetti, you have. Um, you have Shane, you have Ridley, you have the Elliot, the Destroyer, Desnoyers, uh, like you have uh, Xavier from Schwinnigan. Uh, you have the, the defense that are just going to stand there and be like, okay, try to get around me. Freaking 6'5 own power, like between 6'5 and a 6'7 goalie, are you really expecting to see much? I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. But uh, we could talk all day about the Canadian uh, squad. I mean, a lot of us watch some of that, uh, some junior hockey, depending on where you are in Canada, what league you get. Now, let's take a look at the uh, American side, because the American side, not, uh, you know, they're returning some players from, from their gold medal win last year it's not like uh, they just sent everyone to the nhl and they're like all right we got a new squad all fresh people uh so there are lots of uh eligible uh, uh, returnees who have that experience what do you guys think of the american squad i haven't seen as much of the american squad unfortunately i haven't you know been a bad boy slapped my wrist didn't get to read as much as them i do have one question did the Two Ottawa Thunder guys, uh, Tyler Kelvin and uh, Sandstrom, make their roster because if so, that puts them very deep in a very good position. Uh, yes, they did. Yeah, uh, that means the Americans will be able, in, in my opinion, to go punch for punch with the with Team Canada. As much as I hate to admit it, uh, if the Americans are returning that many good players, got to got to figure that they are uh, a pre-tournament favorite to finish first in their division which would put them on a collision course to face Canada in the gold medal game. A lot of the American squad, just like Canada, uh, many of them have already been drafted, whether in 2020 or 2021, uh, with just one more uh, draft eligible player on the American squad than the Canadian squad. However, their two, two out of their three goaltenders are, I don't know, however, they are, draft eligible 
in 2022. So they are on the younger side. Um, so, you know, sometimes goaltending can play, can be that difference when two countries are essentially blank even. Um, so take that information as you will. It might not mean anything. Um, I had not heard of the two other goaltenders uh, that are draft eligible. Um, but yeah, the, you know, you have Sanderson, you have, uh, you have Tyler Kelvin, you have Luke Hughes. I mean, you had Red, Red Savage. <laughs> There's a name. I mean, he's going to become a household name just based on his name. He doesn't even have to do anything. <laughs> uh, you have uh, draft eligible Logan Cooley, who is pretty high up. Uh, yeah in the the draft talks uh after shane Wright, uh, he's i think is he still number two i, after I think shane? he's top five for sure i think he's top five i i don't pay attention to where they sit on the things until it's pretty close to draft time because that changes and it's all subjective anyways uh but then you also have uh the seattle kraken uh, their first round pick made the American team. So it's uh, and the fact that Canada doesn't see them until the playoff round is uh, can be sometimes scary. Yeah, I really know, don't know what to expect. Now, if um, the Americans just have to make sure that they stay out of the penalty box. Uh, their penalty kill has undone them a couple times in recent tournaments. So they're going to have to stay disciplined because they, the Russians are going to try and get it underneath their skin and piss them off. And the Swedes, this, the whole Swedish game, cycling and mo- keeping their feet moving, will try and draw. Because, you know, the, the double IHF rules, they, they are a lot harder on stick infractions than they are in the NHL. So a lot of the, a lot of the kids for the uh, Team USA and Team Canada – who play North American hockey year round, uh, that first game or two is going to be a little difficult as, as they learn where, where they see their sticks can't be in certain areas because they're going to get called a little more tightly. Um, so as far as the Americans go, as long as their PK steps up to the plate, uh, they will have a fantastic tournament. Yeah, the Americans, I find the Americans are always good year in, year out, whether they're winning and considered a powerhouse that particular year. They're always consistent. Um, Like Charles said, they do need to stay out of the penalty box, much like Canada. I find Canada always gets in trouble with first couple of games with penalties, and then they figure it out as well. Um, With their returning players and their new players, I do know a few of them, not too many. Um, They look like they're going to be all right. I think they could take that group. Again, it depends on Russia um, and how Russia shows up. Are they showing up to play and win, or are they just there because, oh, it's a tournament and we're in, let's just go? That's a very good point, Kenzie. Uh, We've seen in some years past that when the Russians, when they feel that they're out of it, they just stop playing and then it turns turns into a gong show. But when they're there and they actually care, they are as entertaining as a team as you'll find. Uh, I think that's actually a very good point. What 
what kind of a Russian team is going to show up for this year's tournament. Yes, like even taking a look at Russia's uh, list roster this year, they do have a number of either undrafted players or a few, one, two, three, four that are draft eligible in 2022 and one in 2023. Uh, so it looks like a pretty younger squad that they're coming out with this time around. With only a handful of possible some NHL experience. So looking at a few rosters that have been released, uh, Russia announced their their team just a few hours ago. Uh, and yeah, every single player is uh, playing over in the KHL. Or I guess, I, I guess they're playing the KHL. There wouldn't be a junior league uh so i have no recollection of any of these names because uh as a shock i do not get to follow the khl a lot so i know that's a, a shock to all you listeners but uh, um now I, I heard a report actually uh maybe one of you guys can verify or say i'm wrong uh that the russians weren't going to select any player to their team who was playing in North America hockey. They were only taking people from, from who played at, domestically at home. Correct. I'm just That's, reading the Sportsnet article about it, and it says all players selected to play domestically in Russia in the KHL or the MHL, which I guess is their second tier. I could, yes, that's what I'm – yeah, no uh, – no uh, – yeah, no one from North America is, uh, has been named to the team, whether that's a benefit or a hindrance. I mean, I know when the, the, the tournament was in Ottawa uh, in 2009, or I guess 2008 slash nine, um, you know, some of the, a lot of the kids were from the O, but uh, I know a few friends who went out and uh the teams were at the club, obviously clubs, they're not going to be going out partying with, especially with COVID, but back then you could. And, uh, you know, some, some of the kids were just kind of like, Oh, I've never experienced uh, what they were, uh, going out and partying with. So I think Russia will not let that happen. One, because of COVID two, they will have everyone on a tight ship. No fun. No fun zone. I can say that because uh, we have not had a listener from Russia yet. So uh, <laughs> no, no apologies. Uh, but no, the uh, Russian... even Finland, uh, there are two, three players who are not currently uh, playing over in uh, the Liga. So a, a lot of, a lot of teams seem to be going with homegrown talent, whether that's COVID-wise or not. Well, to expand on that a little bit, one last point on the Russians, but it will apply to Finland and a couple other countries. Uh, they have been looking for continuity and cohesiveness in their teams. Uh, we've seen it quite a few times uh, in the past, uh, and, you know, not to kick Russia when they're down in this tournament, but uh, – they, they rely on these guys who are 
they were singular stars in their teams in the OHL or the W or wherever else, but they never played with each other. So when it came time for when the pressure got ramped up playing the States or the Canadians, they were always trying to do it themselves instead of actually trying to play as a cohesive unit. And that came back to bite them in the ass every time without exception. Uh, so I've, so I can imagine the Russians and they, they publicly stated this a few years ago that they definitely wanted more cohesiveness in their national junior teams, Finland, I think the same way, which for them has transpired or has now led to multiple bronze, uh, silver medal. I think they even got a gold medal too a few years back. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it was 2019. Uh, 18 or 19 was one of those years where Finland took home the, uh, their first ever gold medal at the tournament. And so they, they've been trying to promote that that way. And uh, a, lot, a, lot of the, a lot of those kids play – they, they, they have home clubs, but they also play a couple of games, like one game a week with the quote-unquote national team. That way they all know each other. That way when it comes time for these tournaments, they know what what's going to happen. They know what, what each person is going to do. Uh, they're trying to improve their in, in their, their country's position in the world. Do you think that helps think- the United States become – the power that it has become because of their national development system and all the players now in the NHL being drafted from the United States development program, instead of, uh, you know, playing in the, the junior hockey in Canada or going overseas and playing a year uh, in those leagues. A hundred percent. Yeah. With that cohesiveness, they have shot up, from basically being a another kind of middling hockey nation to now all of a sudden every year they can win a gold. Um, and I think the world has kind of taken notice of that. And a lot of other countries are trying to replicate that model, especially nowadays when you're seeing, especially with team Russia, everybody's from the KHL. And then the same with Finland, most guys are over there. I think you're starting to see countries kind of move towards that model. Yeah, I agree. They're kind of really seeing that it's actually working and it's working for multiple years. So if they can slowly start to do it, which some are like Finland uh, and Sweden and Russia is taking in on this now, uh, it'll really see, I feel like in a couple of years, you'll really start to see how they, if they're able to kind of catch up and replicate what U.S. and kind of Canada has uh, really shown and worked out together, it'll be interesting. For the, for the Americans, yes, their national program has done a complete 180 and has shot up to being probably outside of the CHL, the best development program in the world. Uh, but it's not just uh, what they're producing, it's look at what they go on behind the scenes, who they have running the program, the coaches they have involved and the funding they're getting. It has like quintupled in the last few years when they actually made a, a concentrated effort to actually grow the national program there in the States. And they got more funding from U from uh, the USA Olympic uh, body and the, their hockey federation. Uh, it allowed them to have better training resources, better coaching. Uh, they, they could give the kids a full-time training program. And as we've said now a couple of times, we're seeing this year in year out. Now the Americans are a powerhouse. They're not just a rival. They are a powerhouse that can take gold at any given moment. 
So it, it goes back not just to having the players, but it's also giving the players the resources and the funding that was needed to create this program. I, yeah. You... <laughs> now, here, does this spell trouble for the CHL here in Canada? I don't think it spells trouble with the only exception maybe being there'll be less American players who want to be drafted into the CHL. They're going to want to stay in, and try and get into the national program first, and the CHL may become a backup for them. Uh, it's It's still going to be uh, a, a predominantly Canadian kid league. And it's still going to be the path for most kids to the NHL. So I don't, I don't think it's going to hurt the CHL really in terms of the product on the ice. It just may shift how many nationalities are represented and, and, and the percentages that those nationalities account for. Yeah, I can I can see a shift of not having those international kids, your Americans, your Swedes, your whatever. But if we're looking at a national kind of development model like the U.S., that's only one team. There's only 22 spots. So once you've got your kind of your 22 cream of the crop kids that you're going to mold forward, that leaves the rest of these kids kind of just holding their bag. And if they can't make teams in their own country, whether that's men's league or in the case of the Swedish or Finnish leagues, the junior leagues, the under twenties, um, their backup is to come to the CHL. There's so many teams here and there's so much need. You're always going to have a roster spot available. And if hockey's kind of your end goal for your life, that's a way in as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. And especially when you do have, players from like Europe and USA come and play with like Canadians and whatnot, you really get to see the kind of mixed uh, talent as well um, that everybody has different playing styles from different countries. Uh, so you really kind of get to see it all come together when that does happen. I see it maybe affecting the CHL a little bit, but like you said, Kenzie, like that overflow will come into play and they'll want to go play somewhere where they can have that opportunity to go to the next level. And that CHL is there and always going to be there. Now, time for some fun. So uh, happening very, very soon uh, is the Division One tournament, which allows the winner to move up to uh, next year's World Juniors, and then whoever gets relegated moved down. Uh, first off, do you guys agree that it should be just one team that gets relegated, or do you would you like to see two teams get rele relegated and then have two new teams come up? I like the two, personally. I like the two, but I... I feel like I want them to also not like where to come up and be both dominated or one dominated and one kind of just there because they just made it into that next kind of division. Uh, but I do like the two because it, it gives us new countries. It gives us switch it up. 
countries we don't usually get to see in the world stage like that. Um, new players, new kind of atmosphere, new rivalries could be created. You get to see countries you don't normally get to see. I definitely like the two better than the one. Um, I agree with the other two. I agree with the two, with two teams. Um, as Cole said, it could be a detriment where one comes up. They're kind of a second place team in the Division One. They come up and they're just getting spanked every year. But that's kind of what we have going on right now with the winner coming up. And no offense to that winner, they're usually not very good and end up in the relegation game the next year anyway. Um, that being said, with two teams, it gives nations more to aspire to it's oh we've got an extra shot we're not playing you know we don't have to go and beat a norway or a kazakhstan or belarus one of those teams that are kind of perpetually just following the cycle of oh we're in now we're relegated we're out for a couple of years oh we're back in um i could see it giving nations kind of something to strive for and try to get better that's, that's the problem with it is like a team like Germany for so many years would, oh, have a few players. They come up, they win that tournament. Okay, cool. We made it to the big show. Well, all those good players are going to get drafted and not play or be able to play for Team Germany the year after. So then they're bad again. And then they get sent back down. So it was that cycle. It was like, oh, we've made it. I mean, obviously that's with any world juniors because there's such a short period of time where players are eligible for this tournament. Uh, this kind of works more for the world junior method or sorry, the world championship method where you have that opportunity to, you know, actually stay more than be good. And then, well, half our players can't play. So back down we go. Uh, so the teams in this year's, Div one is Kenzie. You practically said almost the entire uh, lineup: uh, yeah. Belarus, <laughs> Denmark, Hungary, Kazakhstan, Latvia, and Norway. So we're just missing uh, one or two of them. Um, is there? Uh, now I believe Norway was the last one sent down, and I think they traded with Austria. Um, is there? Is there? Oh no, sorry. I believe Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan was the last one to get sent down. I know the great hockey nation of Kazakhstan. Um, uh, do we see, uh, it's been a while since we've seen a Belarus. Uh, Hungary, I think would be very fascinating. Uh, I can't say I've seen many Hungarian hockey uh, games lately, but uh, Without knowing anything about these uh, these teams, do we see a, a country that's kind of like, hey, you know, I've maybe heard that they're on the up and comes? I haven't heard much, but I would never say no to seeing Latvia in the tournament. Uh, I don't know how many of y'all have been to see a World Junior game where Latvia's been in the tournament. Uh, but when they were here in 09, and the Latvian fans are some of the best in the world. These guys know how to party. doesn't matter if they're getting spanked 16 to nothing. These guys have fun in the stands. They, may, they, they just have a good time. And you, there's never a bad moment when they're around. And the Latvian players on the ice, they, they, they leave their heart out there. They, they, they play hard. 
they're fun to watch. Uh, you, you almost, when they're facing your arch rivals, like whenever the Latvians were facing the Russians or the, the Americans, the Canadian fans were just cheering them on like crazy because they were giving them all they could handle for a few, a few minutes. Uh, I would love to see the Latvians back next year just because they, they're so much fun to be around. Yeah, no, I completely agree, Charles. I My vote was Latvia. I got that right down on my paper. They're so much fun. I remember them in that 09 tournament. I was cheering for them when Canada wasn't playing. Like It was just fun. You saw the energy that they brought to the tournament, that something like Canada brings, like that fun energy. They were nowhere near Latvia. Like It was in Canada, but like the fans, the even people that weren't from Latvia were cheering for Latvia. The kids, the energy, I feel like that that's something this tournament kind of needs, a little bit more brightness to it compared to the big powerhouses. They need something to spark and kind of upset, surprises. I feel like Latvia could definitely bring that to the table. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. It'd be nice to see a team like Latvia or even Hungary kind of get there it's just a new name for people to see on the world on a world scale tournament like this um seeing enough of your belarus and your kazakhstan i think yeah it's time for someone else i will say out of those teams i have uh i have seen the most latvian hockey jerseys uh i have not seen many Kazakhstan or Hungary or Denmark or Belarus or Norway hockey jerseys. So uh, Charles is correct. Latvian, uh, they, they really take pride in any sport and they really make an effort to travel to see their team whenever they can. Uh, I, that'd be if you uh, if you're ever in Europe and Latvia is playing a, a soccer match, uh, I would, you know, wouldn't hesitate to, to buy a ticket just for the atmosphere, uh, whether you're a fan or not. And same thing with hockey. If you're uh, over and you're able to go see a, a game with them in it, uh, why not? So now comes the difficult time. Who do we see? We'll, we'll go with semifinals. We'll, we'll try and pick the podium here. Who is going to be in our semifinal matchups. Uh, it depends on how the tournament and how they break it down for the quarterfinals. Uh, I don't think they reseed or anything like that, so I'm not sure how it's going to break down. Um, but my final four I'll take is Canada, Finland, U.S., and Sweden. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going Canada, Finland for sure. Uh that Russia, I just don't know. They have a lot of young players that are undrafted this year. Uh, I mean, Sweden could be the same. I have not had a chance to look at their roster yet. Um, I'm going to go USA, Russia. For the final two for those two ones. I'm going to go with Canada, Finland, and United States, Sweden. Just not sure on Russia. Never sure on Russia until I see them play. Yeah, don't want to come <laughs> just yet because who knows? Like I said earlier, what team is going to show up? 
Uh, yeah, and it's not until the semifinals that it gets reseeded. Um, so if I remember correctly, it it's one uh, A plays four B, I think, and does that crisscross? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it makes, yeah, yeah, that's the easy way to do the quarterfinals, and then of course the reseed who's left, because um, I mean. No one really wants the you know the first place versus the first place in the semifinals. I mean, that's just poor money making plan. I mean, poor planning. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I think it might be two North American squads versus two Scandinavian squads. I, I don't. Something tells me Russia might be disappointed. Um, I mean, do we get an upset? Do we get a Germany beating a Russia or a Sweden um, in the quarterfinals? We could. Uh, if all goes how I'm sure the teams want it to go, I'm sure to, uh, you know, Canada, Finland, uh, Sweden, USA. Do we get a do we get a Germany upset or Czech Republic for that matter? Could be really, really a hard out or Slovakia. Or, that's the that's the good part about the tournament is anything can happen. You don't just play sports on paper because that would be boring. Uh, so, thank you all for joining us on this episode. Uh, Enjoy the most wonderful time of the year. Of course, all the games are broadcast, at least here in Canada, on TSN. Uh, there are multiple streams, um, both legal and maybe not so legal. But uh, you, you see most of the commercials anyway, so the advertisers, I'm sure, are happy. Uh, but thank you all for joining us, and we will definitely have a wrap-up episode after the gold medal game on January the 5th. So uh, if you are looking for any of us uh, between the dates of December 26th and January 5th, uh, you will find us in front of a screen because games happen mostly all the day. I'm sure we could maybe miss a period for cleaning purposes for you know Germany, Slovakia or something. But thank you all so much for coming on the podcast and uh, enjoy the tournament. Before you go, sure. as long as there's not that dumb penalty music from two years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyone who's watched that for the last couple of years knows what I'm oh, talking about. Man. That drove yeah. me nuts. I muted the TV every time it happened. <laughs> well, I had forgotten about that, so uh, thanks for bringing that up. I know what I'll be dreaming about tonight. Not the games, but that music. I'll be waiting for the first penalty to watch for that. Uh, <laughs> well, Process. you see, that's why you send correspondence to the game so you don't have to hear it. So <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, and we will see you guys next time. <laughs>